going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to be. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Uh, welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, folks. And before we really get into the show, because we've got a packed studio here, first I want to give a special shout out to good old Southern Wood. Yes, he's the first inductee to the Joey Clark Radio Hour Hall of Fame. And Southern Wood, this song goes out to you. All seven and we'll watch them It's a great day in America. Now joining me this evening, happy birthday, Southern Wood. We first have the first guy I invited, Mr. Spotlow. Seth Spotlow's here. Woo! Thank you. How you doing? Woo! We also have E Squared. We have Emily. Old Lady Hayes, how you doing? I'm all right, Joey. You're all right? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Old Lady Trahan. And you have your ever so awesome, he's good with his hands. Eric, your fiance. Hey, Eric, what's up? How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good. Oh, you're trying to teach him microphone skills there, Emily? I just I have a hard time hearing him in real life. <laughs> I am thrown off by your one-sided headphones. I'm sorry. <clears throat> For some reason, every set of headphones I own, the left speaker goes. Is the left one in that one? No, it's the right it's one. It's the right one. I always have one speaker that goes out. Well, maybe it's because you turn your headphones up to ungodly levels. I'm deaf, Joey. Fair enough, Emily. <laughs> Glad we so have that settled. So happy to be here tonight. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I was so surprised. Like, I was pulling up and I heard you you, you say who's going to be here. Yeah. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, why now. are you feeling like a... Why, why are, are you scared? scared? I love you, mans. And I wait, love wait, you, wait, Emily. Wait, wait, wait. All together now. Why, why are, are you scared? scared? Emily, I love you so much. And did you just scare me? <laughs> what the hell? How do I scare you? It's a good thing. How? You're powerful. Yes, you have the power. Well, I have, no, I don't. Eric, speak for me. No. Dang. <laughs> smart man. You smart are man. a smart man. Okay. There's no reason to be scared of me. I'm dainty and lovely like a flower. No. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure you are. I'm not abrasive. And blunt. Right. Sandpaper. Sandpaper. <laughs> Sandpaper isn't right. No, you said a brace. That's the first thing it came. No, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but she's like a smoky, slow drink of whiskey. Yeah. There you go. Maker's Mark. <laughs> That's Emily. <laughs> but I have a quote for uh, Seth over here, Mr. Spotlow, because it's one of my favorite days. 
But I'm before I reveal the day. It's not Southernwood's birthday. I'm you know glad I'm happy. <laughs> Good. You were born on this day. Good for you for being forty five. Yeah. Anyway. But here's a quote for you. I think you'll like it. Every normal man must be tempted at times to spit on his hands, hoist the black flag, and begin slitting throats. You like that? Yeah! You do like yeah! that? Yeah! There's lots of there more tutors in it. That's, that's oh! the quote. No, that is H.O. Minkin. Oh, he stopped perfect and started strong. And yeah, I was <clears throat> prepping uh, Seth here. That's H.O. Minkin's birthday. He's one of my favorite writers, and he has some doozy quotes. Some of that stuff was good. Yeah. No, and I can see where he's coming from there. Like, when you see all these, like, angry young men and women, especially, like, in Antifa or Antifa or, you know, whatever movement, the alt-right, you know, carrying around their stupid tiki torches like a bunch of dumbasses. Uh, like, you know, it's like, you know, you get all riled up. You're young. You're like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm angry. I want to hoist the black flag and slit some slit throats. Slit some throats, yeah. man. Yeah. I knew you'd like that. Oh, set. I love that so much. Thank you. Oh, man, I'm so happy I'm here. See, that that takes the fear away. There's a Minkin mm-hmm. quote for everybody. Now, here's another one from H.L. Minkin. He was, I don't know when he was born. He died in 1956. And later in the show, if we have time, I want to share one of my favorite essays because it sums up politics perfectly. Called The Politician, he wrote in 1940. And it still applies to today. And it's good crap, man. It's really good stuff. Like, he pulled no punches. People today are like, oh, my goodness, you said something mean. When did he write that? Uh, I don't know that particular quote, but his heyday was from the 1920s into the 40s. That is insane, because right now, it's like, yeah. Exactly. think about back then, it'd be like, ah, you're getting hung for this. See, but then here's another, and he's he's a bit (laughs) cynical, he's uh, whatever. But here's another quote from Macon. Love is the triumph of imagination over intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) I am getting blank stares here Why did you look directly at me, Emily? (laughs) (laughs) No, but that's good It means he's got a great imagination Yeah. No, you need the heart part (laughs) Magic is what makes the grass grow Not not just sun Not water and sunlight And healthy soil Talking to it I I check in every couple of days To make sure that he still wants to marry me Mm. Hours. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. Southern Wood always says that that he's too good for me, and then mm. I'm gonna screw it up. You screw it up, Amy. No, you're not. No, you're not. But I think he's right there. That imagination triumphs over intelligence. It's because you take a risk. You take ah. a chance. I mean, you're, you're going into something that's you know the the uh, beyond. Like the the first part is a guy. I mean, it's, you're you're being a dude, you yeah. know. And then when you're uh, the imagination goes all, that's when you start dreaming, right? You know, and then that's when you end up with the love of your life, Miss mm-hmm. Amy. You got to <laughs> dream before you act like, oh, what's the paint by number? What it is? No, just throw some paint on the yeah, damn canvas. Dude, wing it, man. Just man, paint. Okay, what else? What do we have here? Well, there's one that I use all the time. Democracy is the theory that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. Mm. Yeah, I love that That's one. That's dirty. Yeah, he thought politics was ridiculous, uh, especially American politics. But I, I love this one. I just ran across it today. And because he it's his birthday, he's long dead, several decades dead. You know, more than a half century, really. He said, if after I depart this veil, you ever remember me and have thought to please my ghost, forgive some sinner and wink your eye at some homely girl. 
<laughs> like, I like this guy. But that's that's just we'll be we'll get back to Minkin. I could sit here and read homely Minkin all day. Feel good. Yeah. He said homely, and he yeah. didn't say like angelic. He said homely. No. And it's like awesome because that right there makes him homely girl happy. Right, and make you happy. Just too. a little bit of a wink. Yeah, yeah. How you been? I'm just curious about like the second and the second to last quote. Each each of those are encountering a problem and a solution. Yeah, it's he. And the solution is always wrong. Yeah, there's always a well-known solution to every human problem. Neat, plausible, and wrong. Right, and then for every complex problem, there's an answer that is clear, simple, and wrong. Yeah, he would uh, rehash the idea or a quote, and that, those must be two separate things. But no, and that that's always the case. Like, you know, it's some complex thing like a global interwoven economy, and it's like, hmm, what do we do? Let's tax something. That'll fix it. You know, there. this is the big in politics. Sometimes you'll meet folks when it comes to religion. I'm not talking about all of everybody. I think there are a lot of people very nuanced in their beliefs. Sometimes you meet that person, like the fire and brimstone preacher. Oh. Like, I, th- I saw a comic he posted the other day. Love the guy. I got to get him on the show, Lou Perez, where he said, I've now taken to, when I'll go up to Subway preachers in New York City and when they're preaching fire and brimstone and you're all sinners and you're going to hell in this new Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, he'll walk up to him and go, you know, you're so ineffective at delivering your message, I think you're sent by the devil. <laughs> and it just drives them nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. But um, I wanna, I'll get back to Minkin. We'll talk about Minkin later. But um, I want y'all's thoughts on this. This is really a case of... Well, life imitating art. How do we put this? Hmm. Why are you looking at me? I, what? You're there. I looked at you. I got girls. Behave, children. Put the scissors down, good They're sir. They're safety scissors. I can't cut myself with them. Management knows that we can't have sharp objects up here. I'm trying to set the mood. Let, it, let, it, let the pregnant paws grow. Okay. June the 2nd, 2018. Daniel Crampton Brophy. Yes, that's his last name, Brophy. He was a beloved chef, 63 years old. He was found fatally shot at his workplace at the Oregon Culinary Institute. The students at the Institute were just beginning to file into the building for class when they found him bleeding in the kitchen. Police had no description of the suspect. He was a beloved chef for the Oregon Culinary Institute. Colleagues considered him the Institute's resident encyclopedia of knowledge, who had a creative approach to teaching and an offbeat sense of humor. He sometimes made cooks who forgot their hats wear sombreros or spiky helmets instead. <laughs> you know, he's, he's just a silly chef guy. They would sometimes go on an experimental field trips oh, into like the Oregon. forest to find, you know, new ingredients. Yes, I. You catch my drift, Mr. Spotlight. But they couldn't figure out the uh, the suspect. But I, I buried the lead. I'm sorry. Let's tell you about uh, this guy's wife, Nancy Crampton Brophy. Portland-based writer, romance novelist. She wrote books about relationships that were quote-unquote wrong and never felt so right often featuring bare-chested men on the cover. 
You know, this erotica crap that gets women on? Porno books. Yeah. <clears throat> you into this stuff? Go ahead. Continue. Anyway, in one book, The Wrong Cop, she wrote about a woman who spent every day of her marriage fantasizing about killing her husband. In The Wrong Husband, a woman tried to flee an abusive husband by faking her death. And in one of her stories, How to Murder Your Husband, <laughs> Crampton Brophy wrote about how to get away with it. She wrote the post on the blog See Jane Publish in November 2011, describing five core motives and a number of murder weapons from which she would choose if her character were to kill a husband in a romance novel. She advised against hiring a hitman to do the dirty work because an amazing number of hitmen rat you out to the police. We learned that last night. Woman tried, ex-wife tried to hire a hitman to do some wet work against her ex-husband. She only paid him like two grand. He was awesome. I watched that. That yeah. was so funny. Yeah, and the dude's like, you at least got to pay ten grand to do it from somebody out of state. Yeah, get somebody from Chicago or New right. York. Yeah, it's just not enough. Like he was offended. Like, <laughs> wait, I'm only worth two grand to kill. I'm a professional. <laughs> Go get somebody these are, real. These are not professional, right? So I'll take it up with the union. Now, uh, Nancy Crimpton Brophy would go on to say, poison is not advised because, well. <sighs> Who wants to hang out with a sick husband? That's this is what she wrote in her blog. And she said, after all, if the murder is supposed to set me free, I certainly don't want to spend any time in jail. And it seems that she is the one who murdered her chef, her lovable chef husband, when he was 63 years old. She was arrested September the 5th of this year. And uh, it's just bizarre. That, like, somebody would sit there and write... I mean, you could see this coming. Like, no, she's just letting out steam. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not actually going to murder anybody. I'm just going to write about it for my whole career and fantasize about bare-chested men, not kind of, you know, Mr. Peanut-shaped, mustachioed chefs. That's what her husband looked like. He kind of looked like one of those things, if you knock it over, it pops back up again. Weeble floats. wobbles. Weeble wobble. Yeah, he kind of looked like a weeble wobble. Because he said peanuts, and I <laughs> thought about... Mustachios and mustaches and mustachio. Yeah. I thought, about, um, I thought about Mr. Peanut with the monocle and the cane and the... Yeah, exactly. It was, it, it's just... I saw that story today and was like, my God. That is, uh, they'd been married for 27 years. I don't get it. And they had a fabulous garden in their backyard <gasps> where chickens and turkeys also roamed. Turkeys? How could you leave that? <laughs> I bet they had huge tomato plants. I mean, and like every couple, they had their ups and downs. What? Just get divorced. Don't murder them. <laughs> no, that's not dramatic enough. Oh, I'm going to write about it in a book, and then I'm going to actually do it in real life. <sighs> she just didn't think that one through. She, no, said, she overthought that one. Yeah. I mean, how successful was she as a romance novelist? I don't know. I don't read those things. I don't know. But dang. But here, she said she knew she had fallen in love with her husband one night when she was taking a bath and called out for him to join. Quote, his answer convinced me he was Mr. Right. <laughs> she recalled him saying, yes, but I'm making hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> part of me's like, all right, dude. But the other part of me's disgusted. Like, what are you gonna eat deviled eggs in the hot bath? Ew. There? <laughs> I'll feed you finger foods. Yeah. And the bubble by candlelight. I wonder if they float. Uh. Oh, that'd be so cute. Put a little candle in them. Little floating deviled eggs. Put a little 
dash of paprika. Poof. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> wow. It's just a bizarre story and it caught my attention. I thought, like, how do you, how does that happen? Like, People are crazy, Joey. Stupidity. Mm-hmm. Like, they are crazy. Like, how do you spend your career writing about killing your husband or killing a husband or escaping a husband and right. then do it and not expect to be prime suspect? Exactly. No, and when one of the neighbors asked her, like, who are, uh, or how are you doing? Like anybody would. Like, you doing all right? Her mm-hmm. husband was just murdered. She's like, yeah, I think I'm doing all right, but I think I'm a suspect. And they were like, that's weird. And then she was arrested like a couple days later. I feel like she, I don't want to say she wanted to be arrested, but I feel like it's, okay, she is, she's a writer and not a super successful one. Writes so, about like quivering members yeah. and. So, okay, <laughs> did not have to go that far into it. I thought it. you were talking about a little person. Yeah. But so, she's not successful. And then she murders her husband. Maybe she wants the attention back on her. Are you okay? No, Seth. I can't, is, I can't do a show with these two. No, I'm going. Seth just did like a, a Donald Trump move, like a you know when out Rose thing. does that thing. No, I'm not talking about quivering members of the Lollipop Guild, sir. Uh, that's what it made me think of. You, I'm you sorry. You saw Rose do that. I'm sorry. Please don't go away. I'm I sorry, love you. Emily. I, don't apologize. I'm sorry. I was going to try to make this work. Like I, when we when we do the show together, uh-huh. and you and I and Eric do the show together, it works. There's something about this guy over here. He's scared of you. I don't. What did you do to him? Nothing. Watch her raise a hand, boy. I jump quick. <laughs> he just flinched right there. I mean, I don't. I don't understand. I don't think that I'm scary. You matter does, so does much. Does she in my hit life. you, Eric? Hard? No. Do no. I what? Not. It, like smack you. Like no. no. I get excited. Like ba bay 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 and like just just tap his shoulder a lot. Just <laughs> yeah. There is a great Friends episode where Joey Tribbiani's dating this chick who's like five foot nothing, mm-hmm. and every time she makes a point, she like punches him in the shoulder. Oh, you're the funniest ever! And after she like walks to the bathroom, she's like, I can't take it anymore. It hurts. <laughs> it actually hurts. I was at work the other night, and one of the girls sitting next to one of the guys did that. She hit him way too hard. She, mm-hmm. I mean, I went to high school with her. She was a softball player, and she just laid one on him. And you could feel the awkwardness. Everybody just <laughs> shut up, and he was just like... Can I get another drink? Was it like a true, like, could you hear it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was more than a clap. It was an open-handed, like, black eye, but it was in his shoulder. And I felt bad for him because I was like, man. It's a little too much. Yeah. Don't hit her. Don't hit her back. He's up on the cat scratch fever, lady. Oh, goodness. So how you doing? Are you testing your length? No, I'm trying to figure out why this guy is scared of you. I would like to know that as well. If yeah. you can turn your cold case files music back on. Okay, let's do that. And, uh, let's figure this out. Just pretend like there's a, one swinging overhead light. The room's filled with cigarette smoke. It was a cold September see. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I wasn't there. It's one old man. I was hiding in a shadow. <laughs> one old man did it. And then I looked at him. From across the desk. I said, why are you so scared, sir? It was the one-armed man. Why are you so scared? The one-armed lady, Miss Hayes. Hit me with a nub. No, seriously, why? Like, <laughs> she, she doesn't even have a nub. 
Like, what's fake? No, stop making up this crap. <laughs> I'll turn off the music if you're going to just stay in character. Like, I want to know why you're scared. I don't know. She has a very important person in my life. Yeah. Okay? And I, I don't want to let her down. And she always thinks I'm letting her down. So I ne- don't don't assume what oh. I think. There you go. Oh, let it out. I don't always think you're letting me down. Uh, well, no, I'm trying not to. Okay, well, you just said... And I, she, I always let her down, or she's always let down, or whatever you this just is, said. This is good. This is healthy. We gotta, we gotta talk to think out loud. No, well, I'm a, I'm a very pessimistic person. You know what I'm saying? So, but I you always, don't need to be. I, I know, but I, it just keeps me prepared because it keeps me on my toes because I don't want to slack up and hurt your feelings. I don't want to make you mad because I love you, man. I care Babe, about you. Understand? It, if he always thinks he's doing the worst when he does good, it's great. Yeah. I know, but I can't always be picking you up from the bottom. Like, you need to be above the bottom. I am above the bottom. you got to stand up for yourself. Yeah, I do. Well, then, I mean... It just seems bad. You have a lot to be proud about. I know. Okay, so be proud about it. I am. Doesn't mean you have to be like a peacock around here. No, that's a but, great that's a great point, Emily. When you look in the mirror in the morning, Mr. Spotlight, what you are you Stuart, proud of? Yeah, do you Stuart Smalley in the morning? Yeah, what, what you, is that? I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like, like me. me. Before I tried to grab that girl's... Stop now. Stop, Mr. Moonvez. Before I, you know, squeezed it. Well, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I know who I am, and I'm like, hey. You know, it's like, don't screw it up. <laughs> so, why... Why do you think that I just think that you screw it up all the time? Well, I... I, I uh, He's projecting. Okay, also, you're my best friend lady. Mm-hmm. You know... That that adds another extra level of sweat. God. Wow. Man, this is getting deep. You know, he's the best man in our wedding. Mm-hmm. So I'd really like it if you didn't look like a frightened child around me all the time. I don't. It just seems like Because it'll translate in photos, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be I won't. Like- We'll be like on the balcony having our the wedding party photo taken, and you'll just be standing there like a, a dog that's been hit on the nose too many times. I love how real this dynamic is, by the way. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> it won't. I swear. No, uh, I won't. Don't worry. It's cool. We're all gonna be standing there smiling. Seth's gonna be like this. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, it's kind no, of looking no. you out of on you since you walked in. You've had this weird, a little uptight there, buddy. Presence okay. about you. It, you got to relax. Okay. See, like I said, before I got here, I was listening. And yeah. I was like, hey, they're going to be here. Woohoo! Is this before or after you called? This was after I called. Oh, okay. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, so he did let you down earlier today. He didn't let a, me down. In a small way. I'm just no, a nobody, loud mouth. Nobody let me down. Mm-hmm. It's just nobody one of, let it's, me it was down. a comedy of errors. It, yes, because and, Eric got here early mm-hmm. and brought me my favorite. What do you call my drink choices whenever we're on a road trip and he goes inside the gas station and I'll give him like all these drink options yeah, I don't remember re- it was something funny when I said He's it like I don't your remember country, your, like yeah. your back road country drinks or whatever well you are yeah, drinking well, peach like, knee high yeah it's her uh, what is it back road country selection or something yeah like that? that's because it because it's it's like you know, a, a peach root knee root high no. yeah. or yeah. a sun drop 
Sun Drop. Oh, yeah. Sun Drop's so good. Yeah, and so, but anywho. Who are you people? It's a great fruit flavored drink. It's it's like, it's, it's you know, that Fresca, I love it. Thank you. Thank, that's where no. we do get along. I know what you're talking about. Seth, we get along all the time. I know. No, it's like not you're Fresca. I know, but Fresca is a very rare thing to find another person I, that likes that grapefruit flavor clap. for you. I know, and I love if it. If I didn't like you, I wouldn't invite you over to our house to have dinner with us. I, I wouldn't feed your kid. I mean, come on. I know, and I still love I, you <laughs> long time. I, you come over to our house and take care of the cats when we're out of town. Man, Loretta is my girl. So yeah, well, let's let's just we're gonna have to ease this up. Lord. I, I mean, good lord, y'all really do get along. Uh, <laughs> so, but so he had brought me my drink, and we were sitting in my office. Waiting to come up here for you to finish up with Greg. Yeah. And Seth called, and Eric will just take calls on speakerphone. Well, Eric took it on speakerphone, and thank God it was like 545 and not 445, and the buttery one had already gone, Mm -hmm. because this one just, let me talk about your personal business as loud as I can. Oh my. <laughs> Don't say it on the air. I'm either. not going I'll to punch you in the throat. I already know that was coming, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Don't you say it either. Judo chop. Gotcha. There goes your voice. Talk some more I now. I can't, I can't figure out why he's scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, how are the cats? Oh, they're doing well. Oh Loretta, God, that picture was so perfect. Of Loretta on in the, the bed. In the corner of mm-hmm. the bed. Not even in the middle, like a queen. She was in the corner. Yeah, that's okay. my side of the bed. I've I fell I met some cats the other day. How did you in, feel about that? Uh, Jethro and Mouse. <gasps> Love it. Yeah, and they were especially a cat named Mouse. It's just It's fun. Oh, it's fun. It's oh. whimsy. Yeah, it's like the Grinch heart growing a few sizes kind of a moment. It's like, Oh, I can't be that cynical today. It's a cat named Mouse <laughs> yeah. and it's sweet. It's like when she asks for a picture whenever I'm watching the cat, she'd be like, Oh, send me a picture of the cats and I'm like, Okay, cool, cool picture of the cats and right. I lay on the ground, I try to take a selfie with the cats and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But nah. you no, know, but they're so lovable it made me want to get a cat. Um Do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. It will make your life better. Well, and where I met these cats is at uh, Four Healthy Pets over on Atlanta Highway. Oh, oh, oh. With Teresa. Mm-hmm, She's mm-hmm. awesome. She's Fantastic. so cool. Now, when I was over there, at, and it's like right next to Faulkner. It's on that side of Atlanta Highway, that little shopping center right mm-hmm. there. And you walk in there, and everybody who came into the store, she knew by first name. It's like a little group of family and friends over there. And everything in the store, she's like real big on... You know, put organic, real food yeah. into your pet, just like yeah. you should probably do for yourself. Yeah, I mean, if you're taking that good care of yourself, think about your pets too. Well, because I, uh, my roommate's girlfriend, she has adopted a cat herself, but the person who was taking care of the cat before was feeding it some crap, just the bottom of the barrel, whatever, uh, and the cat got a thyroid issue. Oh, bless it! And so, like, you can prevent all this by just going with high quality, healthy food, selected brands by Teresa at four healthy pets and you can go see mouse you can go see jethro you can go see all the animals there it's one big happy family you can visit them for healthy pets online for healthy pets online.com and that over there by the old skate haven yes exactly and uh really dogs cats get to know teresa i'm already loving how much i've gotten to know teresa she's great like, how much she cares for her pets, it means that she will look out for yours. Um, it's a great experience, great local business. So go buy Four Healthy Pets on Atlanta Highway or visit fourhealthypetsonline.com. I think they also have grooming services. Uh, it's very personalized, great business all around. Um, 
Have we solved our uh, our family issues here? Yes. You're, you're in the wedding too, you know. Yeah, I know. I'm very comfortable right now. Oh, me too. I feel like I'm a. Eric seems comfortable too. I'm always comfortable. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just it's. He's perfect. He's like the. He's perfect. Yeah. God. They're you're, never <laughs> going to. Not do what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird energy. Uh, it's a good thing. When they get within 10 feet of each other, this, this ha- I don't know what it is. It's kind of like, like Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold. <clears throat> but I love you. Do you? Yes, more than you would think. Yeah, for real. You see, this is hugs, man. What? I'm not lying. Why would I lie about that? Why, why don't you believe it? Because it'll be okay through the commercial break, and then we'll come back, and I'll just, if I look at them the wrong way, it'll be a meltdown. You know, I'm really glad I've gotten to know you folks over the last year or so. <laughs> no, seriously, the first time you came on my show, you were not in a happy place. No, I was not. And now you're, like, in this great place, but you've now got a weird new dynamic with Sethy Bear over here. Sethy Bear. Yeah, and I love you. And you really do look like a scared puppy. Like, look how far away you're sitting. It's natural. But, no, Jay doesn't sit there in the, that far away in the mornings, and I do hit him. I know. So I scooted a little further back. Uh, we're out of time. Hold on. we got to hit this break. <laughs> Joey Clark. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. If you can't catch the whole program, understand you got things to do. Subscribe on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Pops right up after the show gets done because I post it. You like Sean I I guess so. You know where this is from? That is why I don't know. Why did this upset you because so much? Because my sister Elizabeth forced me to watch that stupid, stupid musical over and over and over again. I hate it. See, one other thing we get along is we we don't like musicals. I like musicals. Oh, well, I, just I hate don't, them. I don't like Grease. You hate you hate all musicals? Oh yeah, don't. I mean, I want to watch a movie. See, have you ever seen Bye Bye Birdie? Nope. You should see Bye Bye Birdie. It, Little Mermaid was a musical. I could never get past the first, like, 30 minutes. Oh, my God. You cannot yeah. count Disney movies as musicals. Yeah, I was about to say, you can't watch any Disney movie, then. Like, uh, you didn't even like the part in The Lion King where the the, the lioness oh. gives him the, uh, what's her name? I don't know, but they start singing. There's Simba, and then who's the... Nala. Nala. Yeah, that's like an adult moment in a Disney movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Can you feel the love tonight? And Nala gives Simba that look after they're all grown now, haven't seen each other in years, and everybody knows that look. Nice was like, I don't even have to say it. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I'm like, Dadgum being serenaded by Sir Elton John in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> Let's Timon and Pumbaa look on, kind of like Seth's looking on right now. Like, what's happening? I just want to know why you're drinking a cup of coffee followed by a Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, what, are you staying up to like 2 in the morning tonight? No. Oh, it was... Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, no, I can no, understand bro. the caffeine. <laughs> oh, man. I really like the taste of Red Bull. <laughs> Gross. No, it's sugar-free. It, Gotta watch out for my, his diabetes. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm a sugar-free soy to be. Yeah, man. It's sugar's the enemy. Hey, isn't, the ca- isn't the coffee caffeine-free? No. Is it not? No. What? We're Whenever at a I radio go down, station. When I look, go down there and look for coffee, I can only find uncaffeinated coffee. And the one coffee I found with caffeine is way in the top in the back. It's in the drawer beneath the pot. Okay, I will look. I think it says oh, maybe. Oh, never mind. Let's just not go there. <laughs> okay, you okay? Yeah, I miss. You seem something. a little out of sorts. I'm I'm good. Yeah, you nervous or anything? I am a little bit now. Yeah, it just I feel bad, man. Like if you wake up and you look in the mirror and you go, "Don't screw it up today." Like oh, that's like if I'm playing wide receiver and I'm running a fly route or a fade and the quarterback graces me with a beautiful throw, tight spiral, tear drops it, it's coming towards me and I can see it and in my head is, don't drop the ball don't drop the ball, don't drop the ball I'm going to drop the damn ball I don't, but it really stresses me out, but that I guess that's why <laughs> I have no grays, this is not just for men oh wow well, I know, I'm still on that That we had a, a Emily is perplexed at what you just said. I, man, it's a thing. They said I look like I would use just for men, and it's been on me for like a week. Love the idea of me using that. So every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, maybe I should put some grays in here. Yeah? No, I'm not going to do it. Okay. Right. Don't do fake salt and pepper. You got to no. earn your salt and pepper. Yeah, you got that Enough right. Fake crap out there these yeah. days. I mean, last time I think you were on, Emily, and I think you were here too, Eric. Where I was going on a rant about clip-on man buns. Yeah. Yeah. Clip-on what? Clip-on man buns. Oh, really? It's a freaking abomination, man. man. You gotta earn this tangle. Typical millennial crap. You got that right. Don't want to earn it. Just want to clip it on for $9.99. I love when you do your your angry old person voice. (laughs) It cracks me up. So, um, (laughs) it is my favorite, one of my favorite writers birthdays mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i kind of want to share something here okay. but i'm glad y'all are here because i'm not just you know, it's not just me you can stop me where it's like what what did he say so stop me if i say something from this essay you're looking at me like what the hell are you getting me into no Joe? honestly when you said stop me mm. you can stop me in my head i just heard stop me stop me stop me if you think that you've heard this one before from the smiths you know oh yeah yeah that's some good like hangover music so now i'm probably just going to sit back and watch you as you talk but in my head it's going to be okay this is by far one of my favorite pieces of writing ever and it was written in 1940 and it sums up politics today so incredibly well it really does. He didn't have the internet back then, but he did realize the nincompoopery is alive and well. A lot of idiots out there. <laughs> but the essay is simply called The Politician. And Minkin writes, After damning politicians uphill and down dale for many years, as rogues and vagabonds, frauds and scoundrels, I sometimes suspect that, like everyone else, I often expect too much of them. Though faith and confidence are surely more or less foreign to my nature, oh, it just touches my heart, I now infrequently find myself looking to them, politicians, to be able, diligent, candid, and even honest. Plainly enough, that is too large an order, as anyone must realize who reflects upon the manner in which they reach public office. They seldom, if ever, get there by merit alone. Sometimes, to be sure, it happens, but only by a kind of miracle. 
they are chosen normally for quite different reasons, the chief of which is simply their power to impress and enchant the intellectually underprivileged. So politicians get elected because they charm stupid people. Oh, yeah. I will tell you that me and Emily had a debate or Mm -hmm. a discussion earlier about Mm -hmm. expecting too much of people. Ooh. Yeah. Mm, it's it's one of those things. It's we that I hope. This every, is our lunch. This is what we yeah, talked about at lunch. I hope everyone is good. Hmm. And if they're not, I'm not surprised. That's what he. There then, you go. So she expects everyone to be good, and is hurt and disappointed when they're not. You're kind of reminding me of my mom. That's what did I tell you? I told you that, and then I said I was raised mm-hmm. to be that way. Well, I was no. raised to be good, and then when it, you know, you just can't fix I stupid man. I was raised man. to be good too, but like, okay, what he read right there tells me it's a good man raised in a terrible world because you can see what he's saying that he wants to see the good, right? But then it's like, oh, reality is mm-hmm. not what this right here is, right? You know. Well, and then he goes on. He talks about how you know folks get elected. And we would hope that, like, it's kind of, I was reading an essay earlier, the founders thought of, we'll have the Electoral College. We'll have wise people who are really well studied, they'll pick the president. That went out the window by 1800, and we started having the people pick them. Um, So he's like, okay, we wish they were trained in a particular way, like stuffed in a monastery with wisdom and virtue, and they become our leaders. Yeah, that's not how it works. But Mencken writes... If he, the politician, is a smart and enterprising fellow, which he usually is, he quickly discovers that the hooey pleases the boobs much more than sense. Y'all have heard that somewhere before. <laughs> Woohoo! I know that one. Indeed, he finds that sense really disquiets and alarms them, that it makes them at best intolerably uncomfortable, just as a tight collar makes them uncomfortable, or a speck of dust in the eye, or the thought of hell. The truth to the overwhelming majority of mankind is indistinguishable from a headache. Oh. <laughs> wow. I it went from a crap. speck of dust to hell. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I got something in my eye. Okay, well, yeah, hell's about the same thing. Now, and he goes on and he says, I hope no one will mistake this brief account of the political process under democracy for exaggeration. It is almost literally true. I do not mean to argue, remember, that all politicians are villains. Far from it. Many of them, in their private characters, are very charming persons. And I have known plenty that I trust with my diamonds, my daughter, or my liberty, if I had such things. I happen to be acquainted to some extent with nearly all the gentlemen, both Democrats and Republicans, who are currently itching for the presidency, including the president incumbent. And I testify freely that they are all pleasant fellows with qualities above rather than below the common. So, I mean, he's giving them their due. It's kind of my experience when I meet these folks in person. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, they're interesting, fun to talk to. They're usually pretty well educated, and they know a lot of things. It's like, all right. But then when they get going, it's just, oh, it doesn't work out so well. Well, but here's his theory. Here's his theory. Um, and he tells a story. I'll just skip a few paragraphs and jump to the story. He says, some years ago, I accompanied a candidate for the presidency on his campaign tour. He was, like all such rascals, an amusing fellow. And I came to like him very much. His speeches at the start were full of fire. He was going to save the country from all the stupendous frauds and false pretenses of his rival. 
Every time that rival offered to rescue another million of poor fish from the neglects and oversights of God, he howled his derision from the back platform of his train. I noticed at once that these blasts of common sense got very little applause, and after a while the candidate began to notice it too. Worse, he began to get word from his spies on the train of his rival that the rival was wowing them, panicking them, laying them in the aisles. They threw flowers, hot dogs, and five-cent cigars at him. (laughs) In places where the times were especially hard, they tried to unhook the locomotive from his train so that he'd have to stay with them a while longer and promise them some more. There were no gallop polls in those innocent days, but the local politicians had ways of their own for finding out how the cat was jumping. And they began to join my candidate's train in the middle of the night and wake him up to tell him that all was lost, including honor. This had some effect on him. In truth, an effect almost as powerful as that of sitting in the electric chair. He lost his intelligent manner and became something you could hardly distinguish from an idealist. Kind of goes back to y'all's conversation. Instead of mocking, he began to promise. And in a little while, he was promising everything that his rival was promising, and a good deal more. You know, that sounds like that episode of Family Guy when Lois is running for mayor against Adam West. Mm-hmm. Adam Wee. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So he says, one night in Bible country, after the hullabaloo of the day was over, I went into his private car along with another newspaper reporter, and we sat down to gabble with him. This other reporter, a faithful member of the candidate's own party, began to upbraid him, at first very gently, for letting off so much hokum. What did he mean by making promises that no human being on this earth and not many of the angels in heaven could ever hope to carry out? In particular, what was his idea of and trying to work off all those preposterous bile beans and snake oils on the poor farmers, a class of men who have been fooled and rooked by every fresh wave of politicians since apostolic times. Did he really believe the utopia he had begun to so fervently preach would ever come to pass? Did he honestly think that farmers as a body would ever see all their rosy dreams come true, or that the sharecroppers in their lower ranks would ever be more than a hop, skip, and a jump from starvation? The candidate thought a while, took a long swallow of the coffin varnish he carried with him, Mm. and then replied that the answer in every case was no. He was well aware, he said, that the plight of the farmers was intrinsically hopeless and would probably continue to be so despite doles from the Treasury for centuries to come. He had no notion that anything could be done about about it by merely human means and certainly not by political means it would take a new moses a whole series of miracles but you forget mr blank the candidate concluded sadly that our agreement must remain purely purely personal you are not a candidate for the president of the united states i am as we left him The candidate's interlocutor, a gentleman grown gray in Washington and long ago lost every decency, pointed to the moral of the episode. In politics, he said, man must learn to rise above principle. Then he drove it home with another. When the water reaches the upper deck, follow the rats. I think that sums up politics pretty well, or at least my view of it. I'm really glad that you shared that, because... 
you know, for this past year of your show, I've listened to your opening, and I've not known where those quotes have come from. But they're always the ones that kind of stick out when you listen. Mm-hmm. Ooh, please, the boobs much more, a great deal more than sense. And yes. then the in politics quote. So thank you, Joey. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, and also thank you for your past year of hard work. Well, thank you. I second the thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. that. Sounded creepy. No, no, no. I, I'm. I can't say thank you for this past year. Hmm. I don't. I don't know you that long. Right. I know. It's only been a few months. I can say thank you to you for February. Yeah, absolutely. And I got December. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a weird thing to say, Seth. No, well, that's what I mentioned. So December. Oh, 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 okay. okay. Yeah, I got See, that is about my that life. Too. Yeah, uh, no, and just everybody it, misunderstands Seth. I get it. Wah, yeah. wah, wah. Uh, yep, Sammy. Okay, and now my question about um, your your essay why hot dogs? Why hot dogs? Yeah, why? I mean, it was, the, it was the 20s, you know. Oh, you think about it, if they're like, you know, if it's a train tour or something, they're standing on the back of the trains. There's probably vendors and stuff, and people have that's what they have in their hands. Five uh, cent cigars and hot dogs so and flowers. You're, you're, yeah, and so hmm. you just chuck what you got. Hey, like Mardi Gras. Catch my foot long. Right. Oh, <laughs> Wait, foot long hot dogs for five cents? I hope so. I'm so confused right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's been wonderful getting to know you guys and i don't want this to sound like we're saying goodbye oh we're not y'all are going to be seeing a lot of us over the next couple months more than you will want emily you don't know that i'm looking forward to having a hundred people in our house (laughs) (laughs) by the way aaron just said so my kid sister's working on the invitations Mm -hmm. for our couple shower yeah and um she sent me a text. She was like, I only ordered 40, but there's six more that weren't on my list, so I have to order another 10. Then I started thinking about that, and I was like, with spouses, that's like almost 100 people invited over to our house. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, didn't think this, and I didn't think this through very well. What are you going to do with the You cats? got a huge house. You got a big yard. You'll be fine. We only have two bathrooms. That'll be fine. Guys can be outside. No! No. Well, you. That's, sh- no. You will not know. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what are you going to do with the cats? They. So now, effectively, then we're down to one bathroom because we will have to make the bedroom like heaven for the cats. You're stressing out. You shouldn't Why? stress out. This is just a lock them in the laundry room. Have the cats in and out of the house. They're not outdoor cats. Well, they're not going to be in and out of the house. You people are going to be in and out of the house. And, and they're nobody be watches hid. the door going into the front room. And the cats and Irene gets in there. Irene is, is like that kid that has to touch everything, yeah. or like the kid that is just learning about different things and puts everything in its mouth. Rose. Irene is that. Is that in cat form because she comes into the front room and if there's a new piece of furniture the first thing she has to do is claw it Mm. so she's not allowed in the front room is she the type of cat where it's like hmm it's 2.30 in the morning I'm gonna tear down the curtains no no but she is the type of cat where she hears Eric's car pull up and runs to the back door and sits like a dog waiting for him to come through the door that's adorable even after he stepped on her what? In his work boots. And she, she was like weaving in between my legs as I was walking. And yeah. 
I stepped on her paw. Sounds like it's the cat's fault to me. It was. Uh, I'm not saying that she, it wasn't. She knew but she it was her fault. She still loves him. Yeah. More and than me. Like two minutes later, she was back. I totally did the same thing with a rose yesterday. I didn't mean you to. Stepped on Rose? Yeah, you stepped I, on your daughter? I totally stepped on her. She was weaving in between my legs. I didn't, I mean, like, she went limp noodle on me trying to throw a little attitude. Daddy accidentally stomped her a little bit. She was okay after I gave her juice. But, I mean, I didn't mean to. You know, it's not like I was like, ah, let me stomp on my baby's foot. Right. It's like, an accident. Yeah. yeah she, she was getting all limp noodly on me and landed under my foot. That's a great move, by the way. <laughs> yeah, just let, I don't have any bones. Uh, and I weigh a lot. I imagine that's what the giant waving inflatable arm man looks like when they yeah. unplug him at night. He just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably is. Though I heard a story of there it was like a great Pyrenees. Yeah, Kate Armstrong told me this story. That a, there's a great Pyrenees that goes by MVA. And if they go down the normal hallway, the dog has learned it so well. And it's got to be a hundred plus pound dog. A great Pyrenees is a huge, beautiful dog. My aunt Donna and Uncle James have one. Tootie. And so this particular Pyrenees will n- recognize the hallway and that that right turn of that door is the like the examination room. No, no, oh, no. And it will go completely limp. Like, <laughs> spread eagle on the floor. You can't move No those way dogs. you're moving it. So no. they have to trick it and go through the back door. But. Well, it's like when, okay, so when the buttery one takes the Frenchies out. Oh, yeah. And they go out through that back door and they pass my office. And then every time they come back in, Cooper... Makes makes a uh, a loop through my office. He has a certain way that he goes just to check and see if anybody's dropped anything that he could enjoy. And I, and I wasn't in my office today, and uh, the buttery one wasn't here. And Kristen and Jay took the dogs out. Mm-hmm. I started coming back down the hall, and they're like, "We can't get Cooper out of your office." <laughs> and I was like, "Because he's looking for stuff that's not there." <laughs> Gotta love pets. Oh, I love those Frenchies. Well, guys, thank you for joining me. Second year's only just begun. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be... Peace. It's going to be a fun. peaceful ride right into all the wedding festivities. <laughs> I can already tell. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Ah, and on that Journey. night, I'll be back tomorrow night, folks.